Welcome to the Voice of Insurance. I'm Mark Gagan. This episode is all about the state of play in Bermuda and what is happening on the island. Two weeks ago, I had a Zoom call with Chris Bonnard, the CEO, and John Turner, the chairman of Ed Broking Bermuda. As independent brokers looking to capitalise on what the island's insurance and reinsurance markets have to offer, their view is really interesting. Each decade has seen a relative USP that Bermuda has been able to bring to the global insurance market. In the 70s it was captives, and the 80s it was excess casualty. In the 90s and noughties it was property cat, and in the 20-teens it was ILS and alternative capital. After the erosion of many of Bermuda's offshore tax advantages, I wanted to find out where is the growth most likely to come from on the island in the next decade. Chris and John's answers will probably surprise you. As well as getting to grips with Bermuda's likely future role in the global insurance sector, we inevitably looked at initial reactions and likely long-term consequences to the COVID-19 crisis and went deep into the role that Bermuda is playing in the hardening global insurance and reinsurance markets. I started by asking Chris and John to introduce themselves. Before we get started, just a quick reminder that advertising slots are available here and in other places in the Voice of Insurance podcasts. Podcasting is the fastest growing medium and attracts a high quality audience of key decision makers. It's also an intimate medium where you, the listener, are right in the room with me and the interview subjects. Needless to say, that means it's a great way of getting your message out directly to an audience because you know you've got their full attention. It's also very cost effective. So get in touch with Mark at thevoiceofinsurance.com to find out how you could be speaking directly to the industry. Um, I'm Chris Bonnard. I'm the CEO of Ed Broke in Bermuda, um, previously part of the exec team that launched Ed into the market some four years ago um, and moved to Bermuda last year to take over the mantle of setting up our office over here. And John? John, I'm John Turner. I'm proud to be chairman of Ed in Bermuda. I am a lifer with Aon, having been there 34 years, ran their property and casualty broking centre for decades and was latterly chairman of the UK direct business, focusing really on revenue and looking after US clients. I loved Aon, um, and a lot of people were surprised that I left. But having been to Bermuda 30 or 40 times over the years, and uh, always saw that there was a massive opportunity on the direct side of the business, liked Ed, knew Chris, loved the technology platform that sits behind BGC, our owners. Um, the story was great loved the island, um, and wanted to join an entrepreneurial group of specialists. So here I am, um, loving every moment, and it's only been three months, but so far, so good. Before we get going talking about Ed and about the Bermuda market, it's probably, it'd be crazy not to have a discussion right now without mentioning the COVID-19 crisis and, and how you guys are, uh, are dealing with it. So I really, really want to know what's happening in the marketplace well, first of all, let's deal with your, with your clients. I mean, how are they reacting to COVID-19 and what sort of advice are you giving them at the moment? Okay, um, so from my standpoint, I think what it's doing is it's forcing everybody into a different environment using technology. And I think there'll be a lot of people that are very surprised about how easy it is to embrace technology and use video conferencing. And we're doing a lot of that. We're having daily team meetings with our own team. We're having daily team meetings um, with all the underwriters, Bermuda is very, very open for business. They're quoting business, they're writing business, albeit in a homely environment with some different background noises, I would add. But our advice to customers is is really first one of 
obviously sympathy to make sure that all of our customers are well and their families are well, but really to carry on and provide a service. We see that there's going to be potential change down the road. I mean, technology has been talked about lots. It's talked about, is it going to change the insurance industry? And it's a very, very core part of our business proposal to have technology run through the heart of what we're doing. And it's a core part of what we're doing in Bermuda that we'll talk about later. But I think it's going to move from, my personal view is it was never going to be a big bang moment. It would be bite-sized chunks of the elephant. But I think we may start seeing some elements of big bang changing. And I think it's important for us to work with our customers to make sure they still get the value of the individuals that can bring the talent together and merge that with technology. So, so our advice to customers is we're here for you. It's a very fluid situation. There's a lot of concern about what would the size of the capital look like in the market going forward. Again, changing daily based on what the stock markets are doing. So I think a lot of people are very, very anxious and nervous about what the future looks like. So it's our job to, to ensure we provide a service and we become innovative and find products that can help match their needs as customers. John, I mean, you're, you've been placing a lot of business in the market, so I'll be interested in your view. Yeah, I mean, the market, first of all, I mean, our sympathies are with all of our clients and, and colleagues and everyone else in this, in this difficult time. Obviously, unprecedented. I think there are a few things. Firstly, getting some flexibility on, on property around business interruption values, which inevitably for a lot of companies are going to be down. At the same time, watching for the bounce, because there will be many sectors that come through this well. I'm afraid maybe not all, but some. So that will need to be taken into consideration. And sort of managing through the inevitable clauses and civil authority time and distances that, that need to be built into different contracts. Um, we're seeing all of that happening in Bermuda. Not really out of step with, with London and Europe, but, but we're seeing all of that. So it's questions about uh, uh, potential coverage issues with you, whether your business interruption is going to be covering a non-damage event. Yeah, and, and, and every case will need to be dealt with in its own way. Some have specific exclusions for some of the pandemics. Others don't. Clients are reacting differently in terms of looking at that. A lot of the Bermuda market, as we know, is focused on U.S. clients. And, and sometimes, you know, there are different views that are being taken by different clients around coverage. So if I summarize, you'd say that, um, uh, Chris, from an operational perspective, everything's working absolutely fine. And, you know, you're getting responses from, uh, you know, you're able to contact your, your customers and you're able to contact the markets and, and do deals. And there's a certain amount of uncertainty, as one would expect, on coverage issues, which we'll have to just work through because, you know, we won't know the answer of those until they're, they're done. And in terms of the market being available uh, and open for business, that, that's absolutely the case. Is that, That's your experience? Yes, very much so. I think we've been, like everybody, very active. I mean, Bermuda's a large-scale market, but small in terms of number of people. A lot of senior people on the island, so we get very good access. And so far, we've, we've had great access. And I think, you know, it should have pulled itself in terms of the services provided. One specific question, Bermuda's was founded as an excess uh, casualty market, I suppose, perhaps, you know, when it really sort of earned its spurs in the, in the mid-80s. We've seen stories certainly circulating around potential uh, capacity withdrawals, particularly in really exposed sectors like healthcare, liability in the US. Uh, have you seen any of that happening on Bermuda or is that more typically exactly when Bermuda steps forward uh, rather than when Bermuda steps back because Bermuda might see this as an opportunity to step in? I think, I think it's, um, 
I think it could be a combination of both. I, I think there's a lot of debate around healthcare um, because healthcare seems an obvious place that people will find um, potential exposures and with potential exposures that they can't quantify and may view that as a class they need to exit from. I think there's a number of scenarios on it that could happen. The bigger concern talking to markets over here that are deep in healthcare is, you know, you're asking people to play God. You've got a limited number of intensive care beds and you've got two different patients of different age and society. You know, who is the person that's making those decisions? So I think there are areas of concern around exposure. It could be emergency rooms that aren't prepared properly. They didn't put the right procedures in place and as such, certain things haven't happened or it could be huge spread in a long-term care facility. So I think there's definitely concern. The one thing that I think we are beginning to see, and this is US specific, is there are some sovereign immunities coming down for healthcare. There was the basically the CARES Act that I haven't actually read, but as part of the stimulus package that will give some sovereign immunity to healthcare workers, providing that they run certain protocols. So I think healthcare is being debated a lot because it seems a natural place to go. But I actually think pockets of it will survive very well. And I think Bermuda will continue to write healthcare and will be at the forefront of it, providing it understands the exposures. So sovereign immunity, that's, that's to clarify, that's, so that's effectively a, a sort of waiver of liability as long as you're Correct. doing the right yeah. thing. Yeah, there's a number of acts that are being passed in the US as we speak. And this is the US and each country obviously has its own laws on healthcare. You know, Europe is obviously different to the US, to Canada. Australasia, but the US, which is historically a fairly litigious environment, are trying to do everything they can in terms of putting some acts in place. It won't stop defence costs going up. There'll be a lot of lawsuits, we know that. So I think there will be a lot of byproduct that comes out of COVID-19 in terms of people looking to blame. But I think the underlying exposure, for the most part, for healthcare, looks like it could be pretty good if, if the sovereign immunity stands up. And what about things like, well, obviously, we've seen some DNO claims. There was a class action uh, against one of the big uh, quoted cruise line operators. And also, I was wondering, is there concern about management practice liability in terms of if staff are being asked to go into areas without personal protective equipment, for example, that that might be a concern from underwriters looking at potential exposures there? Yeah, so we're, we're interesting enough, we've, we've seen quite a rise in EPL submissions coming onto the island and i'm talking in the last few weeks yep. so i think there's two things on it i think everybody's probably looking at their own business exposures probably pulling their insurance policy and some may be reading it for the first time big organizations with with risk managers are obviously understand their exposures and what they're buying but we're in a bit of a black swan event here aren't we that it's unprecedented so i think there will be class action lawsuits come out of it regardless of whether they're justified or not they will try and bring in D's and O's and they will try and bring in executive teams because there is going to be, you know, a desire to actually find someone to bring some pecuniary damages in some way, shape or form. There were some press reports over sort of skirmishes over the 1st of April treaty renewals. I just want to sort of take the temperature from around the the renewals that there's not, this was um, around perhaps slightly knee-jerk behaviour from some underwriters looking for total communicable disease exclusions on renewal terms. Have you been seeing much of that sort of behaviour or slightly, I think it's unfair to say panicked, but let's say extra cautious behaviour? Or, you know, how would you characterise the sort of attitude of of the Bermuda market to to this new peril? I think um, 
you know, that there inevitably we're on in uncharted territory. So there've been some 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 erratic responses as people were trying to get into some kind of rhythm. I think we're obviously in uncharted territory. So so underwriters have not seen this before. So they may have reacted at the last minute on on certain on certain deals. But you know, that's starting to get into steady steady state. I think. When it comes to looking at what the longer term solution is, I think it's pretty inevitable that there will need to be government intervention. And there are some precedents in, in the UK and in the US with the whole terrorism scene. I think uh, when it comes to it, that Bermuda will play its part, but I think there will be need to be some solutions there. And, and people are getting into a rhythm and, uh, you know, it, it, in these unprecedented times. Good stuff. This is a really very much a moving feast. So thanks very much for giving me a bit of time on that. Now we'll we'll get back to Bermuda in in more more normal and more normal sense and and Ed Bermuda particularly. So really, this is quite a new operation on the island and, and a big an investment from Ed's perspective. So what's the scale of that ambition for Ed in the Bermuda market? We have a simple but ambitious plan, I guess is the way I would describe it. Um, and that is to build a significant insurance, reinsurance and capital markets broker on the island. We believe that the opportunity exists. There are many customers around the globe that either have stopped accessing Bermuda, don't know how to access Bermuda, or are conflicted because of the control of the major two brokers now on the island. And our plan is, is to harness talent and technology and to create an opportunity where we can actually become a significant independent broker for the markets over here and for our customers around the world. We started with insurance, so I'm pleased to say we've managed to hire some fantastic talent into our organisation on the property side, on the liability side, on the professional risk side and some of the retro LW side. Um, obviously with John joining us very recently is a, is a big, um, I guess, tick in our box to convince someone of John standing to join us on the island. So we, we've got very ambitious plans. I mean, it sounds extremely comprehensive what you want to do. You want to do everything. So is there anything, you know, that you want to be known as particularly a specialist in and also as the corollary to that, uh, anything that you, you think you probably won't do? Yes, I think, I mean, to answer in terms of what we won't do, it, it's going to come down to as we hire our talent pool here on the island and as the islands, we have to match that the island's underwriting appetite um, for the most part. But we want to be flexible on it. We, we want to work in areas where we meet our customers' needs. So as I sit here today, we have no one that specialises in life insurance or reinsurance. Um, we're, we're very limited on political risks and uh, trade credit, but we have it within our group around the world so we can pull our group resources. But really, I think it's about being fluid. And, and John has, has, has spent a lot of time in his prior career in working out solutions for, for major customers. I think, Mark, I think what we will see is that we're in some of the key areas currently. Um, but as the client need changes and moves on, we will get the, have the right talent that, that is able to talk and lead the discussion around the areas that are going to be important. Um, you know, clients need choice. Um, the market needs choice with 80% of the business coming in from three soon to be two brokers. And we believe that, that, that the broking community needs choice. And we believe that here in Ed Bermuda, we bring that. And we bring some innovative solutions from people that have seen a lot and done a lot over the years. I want to ask you about, as wholesale brokers, insurance brokers, reinsurance brokers sitting on Bermuda, 
you can only sell what Bermuda has has got to offer. So let's say in the 80s, that would have been, you know, casualty in the, in the 90s to noughties, property cat, then ILS. So where do you think the next growth is going to come from? Where, where's going to be your sort of, you know, your great USP as a Bermuda-based uh, broker selling wholesale services to the rest of the world? Thanks for that, Mark. It, it, it's John. And I, I think there, that, that this decade will be the decade of technology where technology changes the ability of Bermuda to look at business in a different way. If you look at the direct side of the business, which is what I know best, you know, the the market here are there for large clients with low frequency of loss. There's a massive mid-market out there in the US that is pretty much untapped, but needs technology to play its part to be able to get in there. We see that being one area of change. We, we see the, the captive man, captives coming back into fashion again as clients either want to or are forced to take higher retentions and are, and are forced to take some of the non-damage business interruption type exposures of which uh, COVID could be described as one. Um, there'll need to be innovation that sits behind that. It, it is also, I hope, the, the decade where the alternative capital will be able to provide solutions to direct clients. They've done a great job in providing them to the insurance and reinsurance market, but they haven't done a good job over time with direct clients, and I think that will change. And finally, to continue the specialism. So, you know, as I mentioned, the sort of non-damaged BI side of life, I think there'll be some interesting and innovative solutions coming out of Bermuda in that space, and they will play their part. And that's what we're here to do, to try and make a market for some of these challenging risks. You know, you're talking about technology. What, what I've seen in other markets, that a way of getting that alternative capital in might be through the use of parametric triggers and those kind of things, rather than using parametrics, it, it, you know, very high-end uh, insurance-linked security, you know, retro and high-end high of reinsurance level. Um, this is, you know, using that same technology for small and medium-sized enterprises. So do you think are the, are these are the sorts of solutions that you're going to be wanting to sort of to be able to bring to market and bring to the middle market of, of the US, for example? Yes, very much so. And, 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 you know, as I think I mentioned earlier, technology is really runs through the kind of fabric of our business. And if you look at our parent, BGC, um, they've used technology to, to run their business for many years, which came out of the adversity of, of 9-11. Um, so we believe that using technology, having data and capturing data in the right sense will allow us to match risk to capital. And, and we truly believe there will be a shortening of the distribution chain as, as, as capital gets closer to the customer. If you look at the kind of hard to read at the moment, but what the long-term outlook was on bonds and equities before COVID-19, it was pretty flat. So alternatives, which is what insurances view that, is still going to be an attractive proposition. But we have to find ways of moving it from, as you say, high up the food chain, whether it be retro reinsurance, property cat only, to bring it more into the specialty lines of business. And I believe that data and technology will, will allow us to use do that in terms of having a customer access the capital easier. And that could be through some kind of exchange at some point. I mean, Bermuda has the ability to create that given its scale, or it's about the data and matching the data to, to what the ultimate capital requires in terms of building its own alternative fund. So we believe that is a big part of what Bermuda can offer. and, and that becomes making of market and, and we're, we're very realistic that in addition to what Bermuda offers on a traditional sense whether that be insurance reinsurance or retro 
it's thrived in times of hardship in terms of markets when it is creative and, and we believe the time's right now to bring that capital close to the customer. If you're going from obviously these very low volume, high premium transactions to very high volume, relatively low premium transactions, is delegated underwriting going to have to be a part of that? It can, but yes, very much so. But delegated underwriting, I think, can take multiple forms. It, it, the, the true sense of many MGAs would be either bringing in true specialism, you know, in an area of business that the individuals that understand the risk bring value to the capitalist right in behalf of, or it could be a geographic expansion in terms of moving into territories that historically, you know, carriers haven't been in. It's been become a very generalist term. MGAs, you know, broker MGAs has been a lot of talk about it. I don't want to over debate that, but you know, the, the true MGA approach has changed. So my view is technology could almost become an electronic MGA for certain areas of business. You, yeah. you you could create a digital MGA that brings in risks that are too small for us to touch individually and package them up. At which point, why does that look any different to a treaty? Now, since um, legislative changes in the US, that Bermuda has lost some of its uh, some of its tax advantages that, that it would have yeah. had enjoyed before. Is the advantage of Bermuda really now all about speed of decision making, intellectual property, and being able to access people who are able to take risks and 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 look at risks and, and create new products quickly with you? Is that is that really what what it's all about? Yeah, I, I'll say a couple of comments, and I'll, I'll pass that to John, but. When I was looking at coming down here, the, the comment I said to people is, if you take Bermuda, it's, it's geographically located. It has strong but good workable regulation. It has a lot of capital, has a lot of innovation. And if it plays its cards right, it can, it can be the place that some of these ideas all migrate in one place. So I think it's, it's in a fantastic place to take advantage. It's thriving at the moment, historically, it thrives in what we call hard market safe havens. Um, but the trick is to how does that become more of a continuity for, for the island? Because, you know, the tax was obviously a big advantage when it set up in the 80s. So it has to keep reinventing itself. So I think with capital regulation, innovation, you know, it's, it's got a good place to be more sustainable. So, so you can still get that speed to market, which is, yep. is that still one of the key advantages? Yeah, John. And I think I'd add to that 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 a lot of the past, you know, in the 80s, it started with obviously the demise of HS Weavers in in London and the casualty market, as you as you've said. But I think it's it's the decade of the direct side. I think a lot has been done in property cap, in retro, uh, in the ILS markets, and you know, if you if you look at, I think. Your publication recently um, said these stats, uh, Mark. So, you know, 19 billion of claims have been paid on the Japanese typhoons and, and, and California wildfires in just the last three years out of Bermuda. You know, that, that, that's a very large number and there's some huge scale here. And we hope that we can, we can bring some of that scale to the direct side um, as well. And I, and I expect that to happen over the course of this decade. It's great. Oh, by the way, just a quick correction. That's my yep. former publication, who's carrying on doing a great job without me, but uh, <laughs> I'm on my own now at the voice of insurance. Apologies. No, 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 don't apologize at all. They, 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 they always love a name check, I'm sure. So that, that's good. <laughs> yeah, we're still friends. We've got this hardening market. How's Bermuda riding that? Yeah, and in fact, you mentioned that you just mentioned, uh, you know, Bermuda being a, a, a good place to, uh, you know, where, where, where um, people seek refuge in a, in a harder market. 
uh, who've been you know perhaps um you know ejected from their admitted lines markets and and now out looking for cover for the first time in, in in many years you've got capital you've got capacity and you've got a willingness to take risk on the island how's how's bermuda sort of riding that uh, riding that wave so i think it's riding it well i think every underwriter you talk to is overrun with submissions so triaging is a big problem and again comes back to using technology how how can we match risk to appetite a lot better so i think bermuda's in a strong position today in terms of submission flow relative to obviously the changes that lloyd's went through with the performance director um, obviously the 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 re-underwriting of the book of some major u.s carriers so Bermuda's benefited from that in the last probably year, or certainly nine months to a year. The common thing you hear from underwriters is triage. So yep. it's about how do we get the right risk to them in the right format. And candidly for us as a broker, make sure that our client submissions are on the top of the pile. And we believe using technology to present risks in a homogenous format with good quality data and understanding appetite and getting speed of execution will will set us apart. And I think, again, it comes back to what John said earlier, that maybe technology is where Bermuda wins. And, um, you know, when you're sitting around your sort of global management meetings and you've got, you know, your team in, in different hubs around the world and you, you're talking, you know, you're comparing notes with your teams from, from Singapore or from, or from London, is Bermuda behaving any differently from London, for example? Uh, is, it, is it easier? Uh, uh, is, it, is it you know uh, relatively less demanding than London, or uh, you know we used to have differentiation in harder markets where you know certain whether perhaps the US ENS market would be demanding fifteen points increase, and but London would be holding out for twenty five, and Bermuda might be somewhere in between. Where where is it sitting in vis a vis its sort of peer group? I, I would say, uh, Mark, that it's in the swim. I mean, it's it's writing unprecedented amounts of, of new business. And re- the retention rates are in the late 90s. It's very rare that a, that a client is, is effectively moving. And, you know, I, I would always say this, of, of, of the best underwriters, you, you can't avoid, you cannot um, not see a particular market that can do some things. And, and Bermuda is in that stage. You know, there's various risks that I wouldn't have dreamt could be placed in this particular market that are being at the minute. And it's the place to to continue to watch, to be fair. And, and we hope that we can continue that more into the new year as, 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 as more and more challenging risks need solutions. And, and as you're looking got, around your, your, your business, I mean, what are your sort of uh, star, star performers at the moment in terms of lines and any, anything you can say, this is, this is something that Bermuda's really doing well uh, that I can, I can really shout from the rooftops and say to everybody look come you, you've got your problem business in this line come here because we've got solutions available yeah so i think i think um bermuda is very good at closing out property layers i mean obviously they've got huge capacity here so with, with the correction of aig and, and various u.s carriers where capacity shrunk hugely bermuda is, is is stepping up and filling in those layers for the right customers some of the professional lines um, we're very active in, whether it be the reps and warranties insurance, EPL, Bermuda's a creator of Wage and Hour. So that's a big specific product, um, products like punitive damages wraps on the insurance standpoint. And then when you move to the reinsurance side, we're already beginning to see creativity around pandemic insurance using whether it be parametrics, RLWs, et cetera. So I think 
they're stepping up in those areas. Okay. Um, you mentioned it before, actually, about broken consolidation being something that you think is playing into your hands a little bit. I mean, how's that, how, how is that working out? And now the prospect, obviously, we're talking about Marsh JLT, and now we're talking about the prospect of Aon Willis, and, and so the, the big, biggest four brokers in the world turning into two. I mean, how, is, it, is it something that's just turbocharging your business planning for the next couple of years where you're just adding an extra naught on, on everything? Or, yeah. or? So, so I think I've mentioned somebody the other day that M&A is a gift that keeps giving. So for us, when we first put the Bermuda plan together, the JLT news just broke. So that did turbocharge our desire to get down here a bit quicker. And that allows us to seek talent probably a bit easier, providing we've got a good offering. And then obviously the news of Willis was, was very exciting for, for us and independent brokers. And it's not just us on the island. We, we're seeing the shifts, again, not just making this about the US, but we're seeing the shifts of people leaving those independent, those major brokers to go to independents on the ground in the US. So there is definitely this, this whole decision for choice. Um, and we find that you know customers want choice, employers want choice, and markets want choice. And, and Bermuda is very well known, I think recently got up to 80 to 90% of the big three. And now that's 80 to 90% for the big two. So there's a huge opportunity there um, for independence. And we're very, very upbeat and buoyant about it. John, have you got anything to add to that? Yeah, I have. I mean, I'm a good example, really, of, of what can happen, uh, you know, as a, a perceived Aon lifer. Love the firm, um, did all kinds of different roles, but you know, for the right place, supported with technology, which I just think is critical, you know, we've got room for the right people that, that want to um, provide the alternatives to clients. And uh, I'm passionate about it, and we will continue to be that. And, and we will continue to, as, as, as Chris says, provide the choice for clients, for the market, and for the right people. Um, I'm just thinking out loud here, we've had this mega consolidation at the top end of, the, uh, uh, of, of broking has, uh, for some, has certainly opened up an opportunity to get into reinsurance, which has been, hitherto might have seen, you know, something that would be a very, very difficult thing to break into. And other independent brokers of scale uh, have seen this as an opportunity to really crack into to reinsurance uh, and, and and make their gambit, their once in a lifetime, perhaps they'd see it as a chance to 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 make um, a, a viable business in in reinsurance broking. What about you guys? You're sitting in one of the, you know, the if not the the greatest reinsurance hub in the world, and that's you know as your local market. So, are you are you going to seize on that opportunity? Do you think? Yes, I mean we're we're already doing reinsurance, so we're we're already in it. But absolutely, yes. I mean, I, th- I think it's a big opportunity for all of the major independents to, um, I hate to use the word disrupt, but to give alternative choice. And, and reinsurance can be used in so many different ways. You know, it can be reinsurance, as John mentioned earlier, of captives of risk retention groups. It could be setting complex reinsurance structures ultimately behind proper MGAs um, or it's traditional reinsurance of major insurance companies. Um, so I think, you know, it's about where we pick our spot and where we add value. But yes, we see it as a big opportunity. And John, do you agree? I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, one of the reasons for, for joining the firm was to sort of to broaden what we were into. You know, will Ed in the short term provide all of the, uh, the, 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 the solutions that some of the bigger guys do? 
uh, probably not but over time you know we will we will specialize in in different areas and again give people choice um which is what everyone wants i just wanted to, you mentioned about captives and obviously perhaps you know not going back to covid19 exactly but um but with a hardening market, you're talking about increased uh, increased uh, self insurance, uh, which is likely to happen given you know the cyclical nature of the market and and uh, uh, companies wishing to retain more on their own balance sheets rather than uh, go into much more expensive insurance solutions. Is that something that you you know you think you can see a big opportunity there? Um, obviously, Bermuda is still the captive insurance uh, capital of the world, and you as brokers bringing those uh, captives into you know uh, into contact with reinsurers. Absolutely. We, it used to be, I mean, there used to be a whole separate market that used to write captive reinsurance 20 years ago. Sorry, I go back a long time. Um, that, that then has blended into the, into the direct market. And I, I do see that, that, that some clients will take additional retentions and they'll take additional exposures. So, you know, why, why always take the most difficult risks into a captive when some of the more predictable risks can go in there? So a lot of different things have, have been going into them. Um, and, and we see there being a need to think about how to, to lay off some of that risk on a, on a multi-class basis that's going into some of these different captives. We absolutely do see um, the reinsurance of those captives as being a, a very big area for us. And also, I was wondering, um, you know, you, you talk about the, you know, the great usefulness of, of reinsurance and, and, and perhaps it's other, this greatest use is that it is just capital sometimes um, at a time when potentially some insurers are, might be looking for capital. Do you think just capital support reinsurance might be another growth area that Bermuda could be working on? Yes, very much so. I do. I, th- I think it's hard to say what what the market's going to look like capital size once we come out of COVID-19, but the indications of some of the investment portfolios of some carriers means that it could be less and we could be forced into an even harder market in a more traditional sense of just lack of capital. So I think there will be interest from, from alternative capital providers to want to get into insurance when they look at their own probably equity and bond outlook for the future. So I, I think Bermuda should capitalize on that can capitalize on it and has got a proven track record of doing that in the past it, it's now probably got to go further afield for its capital and, and look at slightly different pockets rather than you know the pension funds have played a very heavy role on it but i see a lot of sovereign wealth funds family offices that there will definitely be a, a desire to to get into insurance and it's about how it can be efficiently packaged up to become sustainable and and move into other areas that isn't just property cap yeah, because obviously, and we're heading into a hurricane season, of course, which is, you know, it's not, Mother Nature's not going to put herself on hold just because there was a virus going around. Uh, so again, do you, are you seeing, do you think you can see increased sort of, you know, uh, desire to make sure uh, for backups and for, you know, for, for, for capital strengthening ahead of, ahead of the, uh, the season, given that we've had quite large investment losses or at least mark to market losses that are likely to come out in Q1? Yes, I do. I do. And I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of exposure exposure on clash of retentions. A lot of towers are going to get hit because of coronavirus. We'll, we'll go across various towers, you know, depending on what the, the view of coverage is. You couple that with a heavy, you know, they, I think they've already predicted a, an above average hurricane season. I would imagine people are very anxious. And, and, and I think, I can't imagine there's anyone at the moment that would say no to somebody raising money for them or looking for money. 
and obviously that's uh, something where Bermuda can play quite well with some of that alternative capital. If you're looking at things like stop losses or other solutions or you know, ag- those aggregate type of solutions, again, Bermuda, those kind of markets can play because they might be only one shot. Correct. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. Yes. Great. Well, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, my chat with both of you. I just want to leave um, one. I want to just check in with everybody on Bermuda and say say hi and say that it's a shame that you know we would normally be out out traveling to Bermuda this time of year, but uh, sadly not this time. And also, all of you on Bermuda, everything's functioning well. You know, just day to day life. Uh, how is it in lockdown lockdown on Bermuda? Yeah. So, I'll, I'll, um, from my standpoint, I guess in in I guess leaving the business, everyone's pulling together. It's got a, it's certainly got a kind of pull together island mentality. I think the government, um, without being political, I think the government have done an excellent job. And I think, you know, they've taken some very sensible measures that, you know, hopefully will get us out of this quicker because Bermuda has the ability to do its best to control it. It also has the downside that if it gets out of control, we are on a small island. Um, I mean, John's probably got some very good first-hand views because he arrived on the island about three weeks ago from a business trip and has uh, had a different experience, I guess, John. So, you know, my experience has been interesting because I went straight into a, a quarantine for 14 days, having come back from the, from the UK in the middle of March, then had two days and then went into the lockdown. So uh, I, I spent two weeks in a hotel room, which was which was less than, than ideal, but, but the, the island is taking it seriously. The Premier is giving nightly briefings. You know, there were various checkpoints around the island to check on people like me to make sure we were adhering to quarantine. I think it's a, it's a good place to, to, to be, to be honest, and they're taking it very, very, very seriously. Great. Okay. And uh, before, before we say goodbye, is there anything uh, that we haven't touched on that you'd like to, uh, to, to mention before we go? I just had a couple of things and, um, and they were really just a couple of observations that I think will it'd be interesting to see whether they play out over time as a result of what's happened through COVID-19 and some of the other challenges. But uh, I, I would make an observation that, that deglobalization is going to be interesting over time. People clearly have been challenged with their whole supply chain sides and that obviously has a knock-on effect into our into our business and I would predict that the supply chains are going to be much closer to home which changes a lot of risk profile for for clients. I think the whole virtual world um, you know people working from home is here to stay and and will have an interesting knock-on effect in in different areas and finally the whole world of technology and how the, the, the t- technology like Zoom and others that are being used, again, is here to stay and should speed up the need for electronic trading and other things. And I think I'm pleased to say we're well positioned around that. Um, but I just wanted to make those sort of three observations to be interested to see how they play out over time. They're slightly broader than, than just the insurance and reinsurance uh, effect. Great. Chris? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd reiterate. I mean, if there is a silver lining around this very, very dark cloud, I think that is people will find different ways of communicating and doing business together. And it's interesting, I did my first RFP through, a, through this type of medium recently, and it, it actually worked. You know, everyone rode in, and I think, I think the world's going to look slightly different. I think, I think, you know, hopefully people will realise that it's not all about the materialistic things in life, and actually... We just want a bit of freedom. We want to spend time with our family. We want to be healthy. So 
I think on that note, you know, I just wish everyone well. Great. Well, thanks so much to both of you. I wish you uh, well in your endeavours. And uh, thanks very much for your time. Uh, it must be a very busy time. So thank you. Yep. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Voice of Insurance is produced by me, Mark Gagan. Music was written by Anna Gagan and produced by Carlos Gagan. Check out more podcasts and written comment pieces at www.thevoiceofinsurance.com. Dot com.